And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Podbeam, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. Today is going to be a little bit heavy. Uh, and, and I say that because of, um, of the tragedy, the, the, the awful act of evil that occurred in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, uh, this week, yesterday, on Monday. And, and, and I've just been, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be very transparent, very open and honest, uh, to, on today's show because it, you know, as a dad, I think oftentimes when we see these things happen, uh, sometimes they hit closer to home. Sometimes we we see tragedy and, and whether it be, a, a, you know, tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes around the world or uh, or shootings or, or whatever it may be. You know, some of those, for whatever reason, hit us a little bit harder. Uh, for some of us, it's because it happened in our hometown. For some of us, it's because it happened in our state. For some of us, uh, it happened, you know, close to home. Maybe we knew people that were involved uh, or, or whatever. But, but here's the thing. The, the, the horrible act of evil that happened in Nashville this week is, is, a, um, is something we need to wrestle with. It's something we need to wrestle with. There will be folks that say, hold your thoughts and prayers. We've had enough of your thoughts and prayers. There'll be people that are going to call for legislation. There are going to be people that will call for a number of different things, for more security officers at schools. There'll be people that will call for uh, boarding up and, and, and armoring um, all the schools and, and Christian schools and public schools and the like. Um, but but here's, the, here's the sad, sad reality. The families that were affected yesterday. The families that were affected that went to that church, the families that, that had children at that school, the families in and around Nashville that, that are sending their kids to school today and in the days following, trying to explain that to their own children. I mean, I, I heard from someone uh, yesterday that said, I, I just don't want to send my kid back. And I get that. I understand that. But we need to we need to know these names. The six victims fatally shot by the murderer at Covenant, Covenant School are identified as Evelyn Decos, Cynthia Peak, Catherine Kuntz. Mike Hill, Haley Scruggs, the daughter, the nine-year-old daughter of the pastor of that church, and William Kinney. Three nine-year-olds, a 61-year-old, a 60-year-old, and another 61-year-old. And then thankfully, the cops got there quickly, ended what could have been a much larger massacre, and put the murderer down. 
But I, I've been I've been wrestling with with what to say and how to handle this. I, you know, I called my mom this morning, and I said, "Mama, Mama, I just need you to I need you to pray for me. I need you to give me the words to say." I asked my wife. I said, "I need you to pray for me as I have this uh, opportunity to to hopefully." Point people to hope, point people to truth, to process through the anger, to, to deal with the anger in an appropriate manner, to deal with the frustration. How do we, how do we engage in a culture that is, that is not just on a slippery slope, folks? This, this is not just a slow, slippery slope. We are accelerating at a pace. That is unbelievable. We have replaced God with ourselves. And so there's, there's anger and there's frustration and, and people immediately get on social media and make pontifications and, and they say these things and they, they spend their time Yelling at each other before the blood is even dry. And here's the thing. If I'm honest, I've been part of that. I've been a part of that in the past. I've, I've added to uh, the rhetoric and the, the yelling and the, the frustration But man, when they released those names, when they released those names late Monday afternoon, in the ages, my little girl's named Evelyn. She's seven. Summer Page, the one of the joys of my life, is nine. My boy is is twelve. Gavin and Charlie Jean is. It's five, and I would be wrecked, absolutely wrecked, if something were to happen to them, especially in this way. It's one thing if an accident happens and, and you can't control that. It still would wreck you. But this, this evil, it's demonic what occurred. At Covenant School. And until we understand that it's evil and demonic. We're not going to have an answer. As long as folks are saying hold your prayers and your thoughts. We're not going to have an answer. My mom asked me this morning what. What's the answer? (laughs) Man, I wish I had it. I, the answer is, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. I texted my staff last night and I said, words can't express what, this, what we are going through and what these families are, are, are going through and the sorrow and the depths of that. 
But now is the time for us to weep with those who weep, like Scripture says, and long for the day where every tear would be wiped, every pain would be gone, evil would be no more. But until that day comes, we, the body of believers, are tasked with weeping with those who weep, wiping away the tears. Sometimes just sitting there and being present. I'm I'm thinking about the families that are rallying around and coming around the families there in Nashville. You have a pastor of a large church that, that is going to have to shepherd his flock through this. And at the same time, he lost his daughter as well. So this is going to be a moment where a body of believers come together and wipe each other's tears away. Where we weep. Where we mourn. Where, where sometimes we are geared to, to have the answers. So when somebody says, what's the answer? We want to give it. Well, if you would just do this, or if you would just do that, or this is this, and this is that. No, sometimes we just need to go in and cry and mourn with our brothers and sisters. Because in that moment, there may not be an answer on this side. I wish I had an answer. But I'll tell you this, the culture doesn't have an answer. The culture doesn't have an answer. Why? Because the culture has replaced God with self. We've replaced God with gender ideology. We've replaced God with politics. We've replaced God with court decisions. We've replaced God with everything in our lives. All of us have idols. They look different. Some of us, the idol is the country. Some of us, the idol is the court system. Some of us, the idol is politics. Some of us, the idol is our gender. The climate. Fill in the blank. A culture that says we have a mental health crisis, but refuses to to engage in the mental health crisis when it comes to gender ideology, is a culture that has no answer. Do you understand that? Our culture says we, and we, we were living in a mental health crisis. The data points say that. The studies say that. We can look. I mean, I've, I've talked about this over the past few months. New data saying that, that teenage girls in particular are are wrecked with anxiety. Many of them are telling us, I'm depressed every single day. Anxiety is running rampant. We are, we are medicating our little boys and girls. We are giving them puberty blockers. We are, we are changing and wrecking their hormones. So all the data points, all the studies, are pointing to We have a mental health epidemic, a mental health crisis in our country. And at the same time, the culture would say, in some of these cases, we should celebrate and affirm those issues. 
Well, you can't have it both ways. But what the culture is doing, you can't be surprised by because the culture doesn't have an answer. The culture's answer is itself. Now, how's that working out? So at some point, we have to wrestle with what's happening. It's the same thing when we, you know, I talk on this show often about the fatherless epidemic in our country. Fatherless homes. And, and the data all points to the reality that kids that grow up without dads are more likely to drop out of high school, more likely to be alcoholics, more likely to be addicted to drugs, more likely to get arrested, more likely to be unemployed, more likely to, to commit crimes, more likely to be abusive to women, and the list goes on and on and on. We know that. That's not just me saying that. That's the studies. That's the data. But the culture looks at that data and looks at those studies and they call, man, men are deadbeats, but also there are no gender roles. You can't have it both ways. And so as we wrestle with this, and as we try to figure out answers, and look, there's going to be folks looking for answers in the coming days. Here's what I would tell you. We have to recognize evil when it's in front of us. Now, we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. It's fra sin fractured everything. So these things should not surprise us when we live in a broken, sinful world. The question is, how do we respond in these moments? How will we pray? For these families. And as you're praying for these families, I want you to remember these names Evelyn, Haley, William, age nine, lost their lives. Cynthia Peak, age 61, Catherine Kuntz, age 60, and Mike Hill, age 61, lost their lives. Families transformed forever yesterday in Nashville. Moms and dads laying their, their children down to sleep last night, and one bed was empty for three families. Wives laying down in bed last night, and their husband's not there. Husbands laying down in bed last night, and their wife's not there. Kids waking up without their mom today, without their dad today, without their grandpa today. So I would say, regardless of what culture would tell you, they need your prayers. They need you right now. We'll be back. So give me words to speak. Let my spirit sleep. I can't think so, so today again, today's focus is going to be, this, this show is, is, what we do is we talk about life. We, we obviously talk about the abortion issue, but it's not just abortion. That's, that's the... Uh, in my estimation, that's the genesis of a lot of our issues. It's the origin of a lot of, a lot of our issues. We've spent over 50 years, right at 50 years, telling generations that some lives have more value than others. The same folks that are mourning the loss of these three little 
little children at the covenant school there in Nashville would also say that it's okay to abort children in the womb. So it's okay to abort those kids in the womb, but our heart breaks for them when they're nine. Look, here's the reality, and, and I'm not. My goal here is not to to um, gain political points or or to make pontifications or to add to to the negative rhetoric. My goal is simply to say. To, to look at what's happening in our culture from a biblical worldview. When we devalue life in the womb, systematically, we, we have devalued life in the womb. <clears throat> when we do that, this is the end result. This is the end result. I've said it on here before, when we see this happen in clubs, when we see this happen all across the board, we have told generations that some lives have more value than others. So when you tell them that, and then somewhere in that group are some mentally unhinged folks, things like this occur. They're already unstable. And they're being told a number of things, and a lot of those things are lies. Lies from the pit of hell, lies from the enemy that are showing up in their social media feeds, that are showing up on chat rooms, that are showing up in the deep, dark corners of the web. And it is a lie from the pit of hell. And this is what the enemy will do. This is what the enemy will do. It'll be like this, like, oh, you want to pray? You want to seek God? Well, well, I'm going to... I'm going to influence a culture that would devalue this image-bearer life that you, you believe in. This is why, as I talked about last week, we don't leave God back at the camp. We do not live in a time where we, can, we have the luxury of putting on and taking off the armor of God. It is either on us and who we are, or it's not. Our current situation does not call for lackadaisical Christianity. This is not peacetime Christianity. Surface level Christianity. No, it is not. So as the world say, say, hold your prayers and thoughts, our response must be, without our prayers, without our God, there is no hope. Literally zero hope. So, so as we look at that, it's interesting. At the same, during the same time that this happened in Nashville at this Christian school, the attack of the murderer, that's what we're going to call the, the female that, that went into that school, she's a murderer. A terrorist, evil, her name will not be said on this show. But, but as this is happening, it's interesting to me because on March 27th, the Wall Street Journal ran an interesting article. So the same day that the shooting occurred in Nashville, Here's this article in the Wall Street Journal. And I think it's a, it paints a, a picture of why we are where we are today. 
The headline of the article, America Pulls Back from Values That Once Defined It. Listen to this. Patriotism, religious faith, having children, and other priorities that help define the national character for generations are receding in importance to Americans, a new Wall Street Journal poll finds. The survey conducted at the University of Chicago, a nonpartisan research organization, also finds the country sharply divided by political party over social trends such as the push for racial diversity in businesses and the use of gender-neutral pronouns. I mean, these numbers are staggering, folks. And I'll put them on the show notes if you want to see. If you, if you listen to the podcast, you can click on these links and actually see the graphs because the, the graphs are, are absolutely astonishing. Some 38% of respondents said patriotism was very important to them. And 39% said religion was very important. That was down sharply from when the journal first asked the question in 1998. So in 1998, 70% of folks deemed patriotism to be very important. And 62% said so of religion. So in 1998, 62% of folks said religion is very important to me. In 2023, that number, 39%. The share of Americans who say that having children, involvement in their community, and hard work are very important values has also fallen. Listen to this. In 1998, having children, 59% said having children were important to them. In 2023, 30% say having children is important to them. In 1998, community involvement. 48% said that was important. In 2019, we jumped up to 62% said community involvement was important. So we increased from 1998 to 2019. 2023, it fell off a cliff. 27% said community involvement is important to them. But listen to this number. 1998, 31% of people said money was important to them. In 2023, 43% said money was important to them. So the only thing, the only data point that is on an incline is money. So in essence, the only data point in our culture that is on an incline from 1998 is ourselves. What's important to you, my bank account? What about religion? What about having children? What about community involvement? What about patriotism? Yeah, that, yeah, whatever. I, we don't care about that. But my bank account matters. So again, the only thing that's on the increase, on the incline, is the bank account. The share of Americans who say that having children, involvement in their community, and hard work are very important values is also following. Tolerance for others deemed very important by 80% of Americans as recently as four years ago has fallen to 58% since then. Bill McInturf, a pollster who worked on a previous journal survey that measured these attitudes along with NBC News, said, quote, These differences are so dramatic. It paints a new and surprising portrait of a changing America. He surmised that perhaps the toll of our political division, COVID, and the lowest economic confidence in decades is having a startling effect on our core values. 
A number of events have shaken and in some ways fractured the nation since the journal first asked about unifying values. Among them, 9-11, terrorist attacks, the financial crisis of 2008, and subsequent economic downturn and the rise of the former president, Donald Trump. See, it always goes back to a politician. And I could go on and on. Again, I'll post this in the show notes, but... Ultimately, what we're seeing here is, is we're, we're, we're all moving to our silos. We are celebrating self over others. 1998, we loved us some USA. We loved us some American flags flying and jets and eagles and all of those things. 2023, that number fell off a cliff. 1998, we loved us some community involvement. 2023, that fell off a cliff. In 1998, we loved us some having kids. 2023, that falls off a cliff. So as I said, this is not a slippery slope. This is accelerating downhill as a culture and society. And folks, if you think the answer is going to be found in a politician, if you think the answer is going to be found in a court decision, if you think the answer is going to be found outside of the God of the universe, you are mistaken. That is our only hope. Come, Lord Jesus. We'll be back. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the sea? So as we continue the day, you know, I, I wish I had m- more words. I really do. You know, yesterday uh, on March 27th, when this murder occurred in Covenant School there in Nashville, I can't help but think of these moms and dads that that get that news and are helpless, helpless. Just what do you do? Obviously, you drive as fast as you can to that school, hope like everything that you're going to get to see your child. And, 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 And there's there's parents, I'm sure, wrestling with this fact, saying, I hope it wasn't my baby. I hope it wasn't my Nine-year-old. Understanding that in that very hope that it wasn't your child, that it is in fact somebody else's child. Or parents driving up going, please, please don't let it be my baby. And then an officer looking at them and saying, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. And then they find out it is their baby. I think about siblings that said, please don't let it be my little sister. Please don't let it be my little brother. And a mom and dad having to look at them and say, I'm so sorry, but your sister's gone. Your brother is gone. You see, this is, this is real pain. 
It's real anger. I was praying through it yesterday, and I'm angry. Not angry at God, just angry. And frustrated, and, and is this righteous anger? Where is this anger coming from, and, and what do we do about it? And we spend a lot of time on this show and in other places, rightfully so, talking about legislation and what's happening around our country and what's happening around our world. But the reality is, through a biblical worldview, there's no amount of legislation that's going to fix this. There's no court decisions that are going to fix this. No legislation or court decisions are going to bring these babies back. It just isn't going to happen. These families that are mourning right now, legislation isn't going to wipe those tears away. But a brother and sister in Christ will. Our Jesus will. Pastor Scruggs, who simply posted last night that I don't understand why this happened, but what I do know is my little girl is in the arms of Jesus and that is where my hope is. You're going to tell that man and his wife and his little boys that, oh, it's not time to pray. There's no hope. God doesn't exist. That's all this man has right now. So if you're looking for answers in the culture, if you're looking for answers on cable news, if you're looking for answers through politicians, please, please, please stop looking there. You will find no answers there. It won't be there. It won't be there. So the question is, what do we do? There's a pastor in Nashville, pastor of Christ Presbyterian of Cool Springs. It was a sister church to the church there in Nashville. And he posted last night, he said, I normally don't share publicly my emails to uh, my congregation because, well, they're private. But he said, I felt like I needed to share this email, and, and I agree. And the pastor says a number of things, but, but I wanted to point out a, a few. And I'll, I'll, again, I'll post this, this letter, this email in the show notes. He says, this is a hard world. When Jesus was asleep in the boat as the storm rose across the surface of the Sea of Galilee, his disciples woke him with a question. Don't you care that we're perishing here? This one who could turn water into wine, who could heal the blind, who could tell people back their own stories of spiritual and relational poverty. Did he not care that they were all about to die at sea? With a word, he commanded the storm, and the sea grew calm as glass. But that miracle didn't inspire joyful faith in his disciples, but rather abject fear. This teacher they followed had the authority to command the weather. Creation obeyed his voice immediately. Who is this? Jesus' power in the face of peril caused his disciples to fear him. Today, I fear him. I don't know why this murder occurred. I don't think it happened to teach us some important lesson about faith, though I have no doubt many will discover much about faith in the weeks and months to follow. I don't think this was a judgment on America, though 
As a nation, we have a lot to repent of. I don't think this was a result of too much violence in movies and video games, though what we expose to our eyes, we expose to our souls. This happened because our world is broken, and brokenness is everywhere. Don't you care that we're perishing here? There's no simple answer for why a person opens fire on a school filled with children. But here's something I do know. Long ago, the second person of the Trinity took on flesh to live among us as one of us for the purpose of offering up his life for us to redeem us from the hellish ravages of sin and brokenness that happen in a world like ours. The grand irony of the disciples' question, don't you care that we're perishing here, is that he was in the boat dressed in human flesh precisely because he cared that they were perishing here. He was there because he was doing something about it, and he has. He has defeated the power of the grave. One day he will come again to put an end to all death, crying, mourning, tears, and pain. I look forward to that day. Until then, in the Canaan of Scripture, we have the Jesus' own disciples asking him with fear and grief in their eyes, Don't you care that we're perishing here? I know he cares. Still today, I'm asking the question anyway. I mean, that's powerful stuff. Because we know, we know that, that God is there. We know that God loves us. We, we know that, that things will come. And we know scripture tells us that, that one man built his, his house on the rock and one man built his house on the sand. And when the storms came, what happened? The house on the sand, the, the weak foundation fell away. The one on the rock withstood the storm. What does that tell us? That tells us that the storm is coming no matter what foundation you have. It doesn't say, hey, if you have a good foundation, if, if you are solid in your faith, if God is with you, if you are saved, if you have salvation, if you believe in Jesus Christ the Lord... It doesn't say you won't face a storm. No, the reality is you will face a storm. Even the disciples on the boat with Jesus right next to him were facing a storm. And what was their call out to Jesus? Don't you see us perishing? What is happening? Do something about this. And when he did something about it, they were in fear. So they asked him to do something. He did it. And then they were like, oh, who is this dude? Like he really can't control the weather. But here's another, here's some other verses that, that give us hope. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He knows our weakness. He intercedes for us. So there will be moments, even in the last couple days, there will be moments where you're going, I don't even know what to pray. I'm so angry. I don't even know what to pray. I feel like my prayers are not getting out of the ceiling they're not getting out of the home that I'm sitting in. They're not getting above the roof 
of the building I'm in. I, I don't know what to pray. That's okay. Because we are wired to seek the answers. We are wired to, hey, we want to fix this. We're wired to say, hey, we legislation, let's get to it. Let's, let's get some legislation on the books and fix this. Let's put armed guards at every school. Let's fix this. Let's put metal detectors at every school. Let's fix this. You see, we're longing for the day that that sin would be gone. We're longing for the day that death would be no more, that, that tears would be no more, that cancer diagnoses would be no more, that abortion would be no more, that murderers would be no more, that rapes would be no more. We're longing for the day that a kid could be dropped off at school and come back home. We're longing for the day that a mentally unhinged murderer would not walk in to, to seek harm on the innocent. We're longing for the day. And what I would tell you is keep longing for that. But, but don't miss the joy that we have in today. Don't miss the, the, the chance as a believer to pray for your neighbor. Don't miss the chance that you may be the person that goes in and gets to wipe away the tear. And say, I know this is hard. And I know we want answers, but I don't have them. But what I do have is a love for you. You are my brother. You are my sister in Christ. And I will wipe away those tears. And one day our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior will wipe away those tears. Please come. We'll be back. We just got a few more minutes left today. And look, I, I, know, I know today has been a little bit more heavy with, with what has occurred in, uh, in Nashville. One more time, I want you to remember these names. Evelyn, Haley, William, age nine. Cynthia, 61. Catherine, 60. Mike Hill, 61. Families. Changed forever on March 27th in Nashville, Tennessee. And so as we try to seek out answers, and as we try to think how we are going to navigate this, we know that Scripture tells us that the world is going to hate us. Listen to John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, this is Jesus talking. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me 
hates my father also. And so look, in a post-Genesis 3 world that is fractured and broken, it's been this way since the beginning. And so it may seem like to some of us that it's on an acceleration path that, of warp speed that we just weren't prepared for. And so what, what comes with that is the church trying to figure out how do we answer? How do we engage? How do we, and oftentimes what we try to do is the same thing I talked about last week. What we try to do is curtail our language, curtail our faith. And well, we'll put our, our, our gospel on the shelf for this conversation. We'll take off the armor of God when we get to work. We'll, we'll leave it at the door of the voting booth. We'll leave it at home when we're interacting in the public. But the reality is, as you're seeking to do those things, you're not pointing people to the truth that could save them. You are playing into the hands of the enemy. So when we boldly proclaim the truth, not my truth, not your truth, as the culture would say, speak your truth. Everybody's truth is different. No, the the Bible makes clear there is one way. That is through Jesus. He is not just a buddy. He is the Lord of our lives. Capital L. And so in the same way, he comforted the disciples. In the same way, he brought fear to the disciples. In the same way, he performed miracles in front of the disciples. In the same way that as he took his last breath, he was seeking to save and bring those around watching to the throne room. In the same way that he's doing all of that, we have hope today because of that. So when we watch news, when we're on social media, when we see all the, uh, the craziness that is around us, the answer isn't in speaking your truth. You see, we've told generations that speak your truth, live your life, do what makes you happy. And what has that gotten us? It's gotten us 60 million babies aborted. It's gotten us to a place where murderers go out on rampages. It's gotten us to a place where where our young people are looking at us and answering surveys and telling us to our face, I am depressed and riddled with anxiety. It's gotten us to a place that from 1998 to 2023, patriotism is down, religion is down, the desire to have children is down. The only thing that's on an incline is our bank account. So how's the do what make you happy mantra working for us? It's not, folks. It's not. And so as we think about and pray through what has happened here in my home state, the state I love, the state of Tennessee, in Nashville, I pray for a comfort and peace that only God can bring. And again, as you are praying, and maybe you don't know what to pray, 
Maybe you're, you're saying, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what to do. I'm so angry. Simply lift these names up. The family of Evelyn. The family of Haley. The family of William. The family of Cynthia. The family of Catherine. The family of Mike. Lift those families up. The only way their tears will be wiped away is if their brothers and sisters in Christ come around them. That's what they need right now. Your prayers, your love, your time. Pray. Seek out God in these moments. Hug your kids tight. Hug your spouses tight. Don't waste another minute of your day. Call your mama. Call your daddy. Hug your little boys and girls. What a gift. We'll talk to y'all next week.